Good evening, everyone. Today is Monday, uh, Tuesday, August 24th, 2021, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is Bill's story, and our speaker tonight is Melissa P. Thank you, Melissa. Take it away. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me um, come speak tonight. My name is Melissa P. I am a compulsive overeater from Western New York. Um, Bill's story. So Bill's story could also be called the evolution of our spiritual journey, right? Um, and, you know, the biggest thing that I have to say is that it's my story. Um, you know, and that if I didn't buy in to the doctor's opinion, um, or even if like, I didn't understand it, Bill's story is the screenplay, essentially, of life lived. No, not lived. Happening. Life, how life happens um, while being tortured by alcohol or, in my case, food. Um, my plan is to qualify as I speak. Um, is Bill's story also really, it gives the first great lead um, and it breaks down how we carry this message with our own experience, strength, and hope. Um, you know, and it talks about at first what it was like and then what happened and what it's like now. Um, you know, if I wasn't nodding my head to the point of dizziness when my sponsor first read the doctor's opinion with me um, or if in some way like I, I still couldn't really like connect all of the dots um, about this allergy of the body and obsession of the mind or um, this skewed perception of life right I always call my Melissa colored glasses um, that's why I need God or whatever version of a higher power looks like for anyone. And for me, you know, it's, it's, it's changing. Um, you know, cause for me, what I found is that I can put the food down for a short period of time. Sometimes it's 12 hours. Sometimes it was 12 days. Um, you know, but it, it wasn't about the food. I figured out real quick that the food was the solution here because it's the steps that I took to get me a relationship with God is how I stopped being a wrecking ball everywhere I went in, whether it was work or relationships, um, family, even at the store, you know, just everywhere I went, um, you know, I was messing things up basically. Um, so Amy, if you would do me a favor and throw some of my pictures up, please. Just because, you know what, honestly, they're not for you. They're for me. Um, so, you know, how do we see this in Bill's story? Well, page one through eight is the progression, okay? Um, you have to ask yourself, I had to ask myself, did I, did I eat the way Bill drank? Did I think the way that, that Bill thought about things? And you know, most importantly for me, did I feel the way about things that Bill did, right? He was so sensitive 
to things and and took things to heart it seemed and so do I you know and so I, this is how I identify um you know this picture here with me with the necklace on that was me my senior year of high school um where I weighed upwards to 375 pounds um shopping for a prom dress in 2002 in that body was not fun. Trying to try out for sports uh, was not fun. Eating in a cafeteria, even though I was popular in high school, still not fun. Nothing about life was fun. Um, I was really the life of the party because there were a lot of things that I could do while getting high or getting drunk. Um, but my favorite thing to do while under the influence in high school was eat. I love to eat. It was always just my first love. Um, this next picture is here before I came into program about three months and I was back up to 350 after having loose, um, lost some weight. And I was actually at an event for um, my nonprofit that I run based around kindness. And I can pretty much assure you that I acted and treated my family like a horrible human being all before getting to this event to arrange Easter baskets for people who receive Meals on Wheels. But you will be sure that I wanted my picture taken for the paper and I wanted everyone to know how kind I was and that I made it in life, even though because of using drugs and alcohol and all the crazy things that I did was younger, um, there was a lot of people that were concerned about my future for the, a lot of the reckless behavior that I got into. Um, so you can go to the next picture. <sighs> so that's me now-ish with red hair that I love and miss. Um, you know, but what I look at, what I see in these pictures is that the person on the left was really just trying to show up in the world and wanted to be loved and accepted all while hating every inch of my body inside and out. And the person on the right doesn't know anything about recovery still and is just trying to figure this out one day at a time. Um, but there's a lightness in my eyes that I see now because um, I finally feel alive. Um, so thank you, Amy, for the pictures. Um, you know, so page one through eight is about the progression, right? Like we we see how we're able to identify. And what I love most about Bill's story is that it starts with war fever. It doesn't go into a traumatic childhood and all of the horrible, awful things that happened to Bill. And I, I really resonated with that after learning more about Bill. Um, because for a long time, I blamed my disease on my shitty childhood. You know, I was adopted and unwanted when I was a baby. My biological father said he was going to throw me in a dumpster. And my mom took every opportunity to throw that in my face while growing up. Um, you know, and I endured some pretty crazy things. But what I was able to really um, learn through a really good fourth step and a lot of prayer and a lot of meditation and a lot of connection um, is that that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why, you know, it, it matters that, that I could have been born in a dumpster or I could have born, been born in a penthouse with a trust fund and private education and had all the worldly things given to me and it still wouldn't have been good enough. And I'd still be a compulsive overeater. Sure, I think that there are things that how in some ways my disease manifested based on some of the experiences that I had. 
Um, but I was born different. I'm different. I'm different. Right. I'm different. And I know that now. Um, you know, but it, it, it's again, it's it's not why I am who I am. Right. So I actually have notes for the first time in my life. Um, you know, so from early on, food was everything. I had a really lonely childhood. And if I was breathing, if life was happening around me, you bet I was eating. Okay. Birthday parties. I didn't care about your presents. I cared about the cake. I cared about whatever little treats were in my to-go bag. Um, you, you know, different functions where I would be like, oh, sure. Yeah, I'll help clean up. Right. So I can pack myself some to-go plates and be able to take home whatever food it was. Um, you know, I was always eating. I didn't need a reason to eat. If things were going good, I was eating. Things were going bad, I was eating because I am so sensitive to life that it's difficult for me to experience happiness without being uncomfortable still. And where I want food to help anesthetize feelings of joy because for a long time, I was so scared to have things go well. I was used to them going bad. And so as much as I would numb out when things were hard, even when things were good, I still just wanted food. You know, on my wedding night, we had this big, beautiful reception and we're both Polish and Polish food is an old friend of mine. And I remember wanting to get through my wedding pictures because I had had our caterer make a special plate of food for me that I wanted to eat at the reception. And it was a food that no one else at the reception was getting and it was all just for me. And that's all I can think about was what was on my plate. Um, so I had mentioned to Amy that I got a little tearful today uh, when I was kind of adding some notes to things. Because this really just hits home that I needed to re-identify in that I am so much like Bill in everything I do. Um, right on page one, I love that he said, I forgot the strong warnings. And, and for me, that's, that's our first identification of the mental blank spot. And also going back to the doctor's opinion, that frothy emotional appeal. My whole life was a frothy emotional appeal. You know, when you weigh 150 pounds in third grade, people are having conversations with you. You know, they're, well, you're, you're such a pretty face. Don't you want to play softball anymore? Don't you want a boyfriend? Don't you want all of the things? You know, and I mean, I was, I was bullied and I was forgotten and I was denied dates and I was cut from teams and I broke chairs and my mother and my best friend's family, you know, they begged me. And if begging didn't work, they scorned me that I was too fat. That there was not going to be life to be lived because I was so fat. And where did I take those feelings? Right through a drive through um, you know, if you've heard me speak before, I talk a lot about, um, I went through infertility and I remember sitting across from the infertility specialist and he looked at my chart and he looked at me and he looked at my husband and he looked at me and he said, you don't need meds. You just need to lose 70 pounds, lose 70 pounds. And then you'll probably get to have a baby and we can start you on medication if that doesn't work. 
and I had four months to do it and I lost 10. And I'll tell you what, losing that 10 pounds took all the white knuckle abstaining that I had ever put forth in my entire life because um, I couldn't stop. You know, and going down in Bill's story, one of my absolute favorite lines where I was like, damn, this guy's talking to me right now is when he says, I had arrived, right? That's that overinflation of ego that here I am. Don't you see me? Don't you know me? Here I am, world. You know, and I, I at first when I was doing my work, and doing some, some writing assignments early on, you know, I had thought about, you know, how important it was for me to be the life of the party when I was big and really could only um, relate that to when I was heavier. But it, it, what it relates to most is actually, I had a gastric bypass when I was 23 and I went from about 375 pounds to 185. So, if you had been a fly on the wall the first time that I'd walked into a nightclub where men paid attention to me and not the people that I walked in with, where people were offering to buy me drinks, they wanted to dance with me, they wanted to get my phone number, I, I, I thought I was gorgeous. I was someone to be sought after. I was in college. I had straight A's not because I got any smarter because I lost weight, but because I actually went to class because I could fit in the desks. You don't go to class a lot when you don't fit in the desks. You're sick a lot. I don't know if anybody else has that experience. Um, you know, and again, I was the life of the party and it was everything that I had thought I wanted in life. I had all this attention and the accolades and the awards and the grades, and I was finally someone. And yet that whole time, I was in this glass cage where I could see life happening around me and I couldn't feel it still. Um, you know, and a few years later, here I was again, just like Bill, that I would prove to the world that I was important. And uh, I met my now husband and I was terrified to lose him and lose like all of these things that I think that I needed to be happy. And uh, I fell into some bulimic type behavior after a gastric bypass. I learned real quick how to manipulate what I could eat and drink if I could just bring it back up. And I spent a lot of time um, slaving to my binging and purging. And uh, that was probably when I was the craziest. And I was so scared. You know, but I had all the things on paper and uh, my teeth started breaking off. I have a partial denture now that I wear and my hair started falling out. And as those things started shifting in my body, you know, this, this rage came out of me from being a scorned little girl into this woman in her mid twenties that I had a bone to pick with the world and you were going to hear about it. Five minutes left. Thank you. Um, you know, and then as we move on in Bill's story, you know, it compulsive overeater for me, it, I looked a lot different than some of my friends that have recovered in some, uh, some other programs, right? You know, my bills were paid. I had a cushy nine to five. Um, 
beyond being obese, I, I had everything, you know, but my marriage was in the balance. Um, I was going through infertility shots and pills. And, you know, when Bill talked about swaying at the open window, I remember giving birth to my son and I couldn't tell you what he weighed, but I could tell you what I ate after coming back from the OR and my C-section. I could tell you what my first meal was when we came home, um, being on maternity leave, counting the minutes until nap time so I could eat and blot out all the fear I had that maybe I wasn't supposed to be a mom and somehow I had manipulated fate during infertility treatment because I thought at that time there was zero caretaking ability in my DNA, given what I had been through as a child. And about two years into my son's life, I remember having a cancer scare and thought, oh my God, this, this is benign, but you know what's going to kill me is the food. Um, and I got on a phone line on New Year's Day and I was begging for help. And this was the first time that I saw God. Um, this woman spoke and she talked about death by a knife and fork and Noah, my son, was crying in the background for something. And so I didn't hear her number and I hung up and I thought, oh my God, like, that's the lady I want to talk to. And my phone rang and it was her. That just doesn't happen. Someone was coming for me. Um, you know, and I found program and, you know, it talks about this new footing. You know, and I used to insulate myself with drive through bags and candy wrappers and, and takeout. And, you know, now um, I insulate myself in, in love and in, in service. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm not perfect. I need to get off this meeting and make amends to my husband because I was being crotchy before, right? Because um, I'm human. And, um, you know, I've walked through some crazy stuff with people from program. You know, my, my little boy, uh, they found a tumor in his stomach last summer. And it was instinct to me that after I got off the phone with my husband, I called my sponsor. I didn't call for takeout. I called my people. Um, you know, and now I work every day. I take that action, just like Bill, to enlarge my spiritual life. And some days are better than others. I will tell you that. Um, you know, if I ever have to leave my house, it gets a lot harder. Um, I try to turn the volume down on the nonsense in my brain because my brain comes up with a lot of crazy crap. I will tell you that. And the worldly clamors, right? That's the beauty of 10 through 12. Um, I resigned as the co-manager of the universe. This is not my responsibility. I can tell you what, I would have been trying to like outrun a pandemic a few years ago. Um, the second thing is that I accept myself and others. I don't care to impress people anymore. Um, I try to be other people centered. One of the biggest things that's changed in me is that good deeds aren't transactions anymore. I don't keep score. I don't expect a thank you card. I don't expect my picture in the paper. In fact, I don't want my picture in the paper. I don't even wanna be named when we do projects anymore. Um, it's not for a social media scroll. When I do good things in the world in and outside of program, it's me saying, yo, God, thank you. Thank you for this gift, right? Um, if you heard my, my talk on step six and seven, I'm not as much as a bitch anymore. I'm not 
self-righteous going after everyone and everything and letting you know what I think needs to be changed. Um, you know, my job is hard. I, I deal with child abuse and human trafficking and all sorts of crazy things. Um, and now I get to meditate in the morning. I'm being undisturbed, right? That I can be fierce when I need to be fierce, but I can be loving in that same sense and be kind and be firm and show up as the person that God would want me to be. Um, and really for me, the, the last thing is that, and I might catch something for this, but that's okay, is that I don't have faith anymore. Faith is for humans. Faith, I have faith in the weather report. I have faith in turning signals. What's different now is that I have complete trust in God whatever that looks like on whatever time of the day it is. Um, I have trust that whatever's going to happen is, is part of a bigger picture that I have no business knowing. And it might not be easy, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not guaranteed a, a cushy pillow to sit on and life will happen all around me and everything's going to be unicorns and rainbows because it's not. It is hard. Time. Thank you. Um, you know, but I trust that what I go through, I'm going to be carried to the other side and I'm not going to float down the river of life on a takeout container. I'm, I'm, I'm going down with trust, just believing that it's going to be okay. And if it's not, I'll still get through it. So with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Melissa. Um, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares as this is a big book study. Sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order. Um, at this time, I know Arlene has to leave a little bit early. Would someone be willing to be timer for the remainder of this meeting? I'll take it. Thank you, Amy. Um, okay, and we can start the shares. I'm going to take the first share too. Um, it's more of a question though. Amy, compulsive overeater living in our cover state today. Melissa, thank you so much. Michelle, thank you for your service. Thank you everybody for reading tonight for your service. Melissa, thank you for that beautiful, beautiful connection to Bill's story. Um, this meeting is named after a line from Bill's story, why don't you choose your own conception of God? So I was wondering if you might share with us how you came to choose your conception of God. Thank you. So I'm pausing for a minute um, because that's the one part of my share that I left out. That I have arrows drawn to it and I completely just went over it because I wanted to make sure that, I don't know, because it, it matters here, it matters now, I don't know, right? Um, oh, how I, right? 
So I literally have, why don't you choose your own conception of God, right? So for me, for a very long time, I had this like Instacart God that, you know, what I wanted, I prayed for. And for me, like, you know, talk about like self-preservation and selfishness. I would pray for people even to make my own life better, right? Um, you know, and it was what I wanted. And, and the other side of that is that for a long time, I just felt really invisible to God where I struggled with like, why did all these bad things happen to me? Like, why am I even here? You know, if we're like getting real right now, I mean, when I got sent back to my mom after the adoptive family gave me back, you know, she would say horrible things to me. Like, I didn't want you in the first place. I wish I had terminated or I should have found a different family or all of the things. And for a long time, I never felt like I belonged anywhere. And, um, you know, when I did my fourth step, my sponsor so lovingly, so lovingly reminded me that there's the story that we have in our head of how we think things should go. And what is, and that she asked me to reflect on what my life would look like if I was grateful to my mom. And I'll tell you what, (laughs) I didn't even know how to take that, right? And so I said, you know, willingness, right? So let me go to any length here. Let me go to any length. Let me think about that. I thought to myself, like, how do I do my job, my actual professional job? How am I so good at my job? I do it because I can, if I, if anyone can handle their mother telling them that they hate them, you can handle an alternative ed student telling you the same thing. And so that, that kind of grew to me where like, I thought about like all the people I used to think about all the people that God didn't put in my life. Like, I don't know my dad and my brother went away to the Persian Gulf war when I was five and has been like off doing army things ever since. And I was so focused on the negative and I was so mad at God and my relationship grew with God when I started to like reflect on all the people he put in my life. You know, I had, I had a softball coach that went out of his way to pick me up from school that knew that I was almost 200 pounds and that the other little girls uniforms weren't going to fit me. And he would quietly, specially order those for me and give them to me after practice so other people didn't see that my packaging was different. And so my conception of God came into every beautiful miracle that's been in my life is the universe giving me a flower saying, we've been here all along. I just couldn't see it. And it's because of those damn Melissa colored glasses that I had to take off where I thought I was owed something, you know? And so for me, right, like it's, 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 it's love, you know, like I used to have a very fatherly um, personified God, which sometimes that works for me because sometimes that's what I need, right? He wears a Led Zeppelin shirt and like I meditate and we sit on the beach and like I bring things to him the way that I think you do when you have a dad, right? Like you call on the side of the road with a flat tire. Like that's my pause sometimes. 
but other times like I just feel like this wave of beautiful light that is surrounding me where I know that I'm taken care of and that my job here is to add love to whatever equation it is in my own weird way because I am weird and I'm not perfect and I'm not calm and whatever it's who I am and and what people do with that love is none of my damn business because at the end of the day I do my review not theirs so there you go there's there it is thank you so Mm. much you Mm. beautiful loving (laughs) weirdo um thank you um oh okay back to the list hands hands shares and questions folks you're amongst friends i see stephanie how are you go ahead hi thank you i wish i could think of a question and i can't so i'm just gonna relay and say thank you so much um i uh, i related so much and it's funny because our stories are very different. We never had a lot of weight to lose. It was the same, like 20, 10, 20, then 40 pounds, but our stories, like it, it just, it took over my life and it was so progressive and I'll never forget my sister's wedding, who she is one of my favorite people in the world. She's so amazing. And I was the maid of honor and I didn't write the speech until that day because I just couldn't think about it because I was so obsessed leading up to it with the weight I had gained and losing weight and I couldn't stop eating and I didn't know if I was going to fit in my dress and I just wasn't there like I wasn't there as a sister I wasn't there as a friend I couldn't be you know and I regret it so much now but like that's who I was then I did not have this program I did not have a higher power and I was so self-obsessed and truly it's because I hated myself and that was just the beginning. Like that was not the height of my, of my disease by any means. Um, and so I just, it's, um, God, such a, it's such a gift in this program Sorry, to, um, to relate, like to hear anyone share and relate and know that like my story is your story is everyone else's story. Um, and I'm not alone because that was the other part of it was like, how could I ever tell my sister that the reason that I couldn't write her speech until that day is because I needed to lose weight. Like, how could I say that, you know? Um, so yeah, I just, I love when you share, I love, I love hearing, also relating it back to the big book, because before I got recovered and worked the steps out of the big book, it was so much easier to identify out, especially when I could come into these rooms and treat it like group therapy. And, you know, with the big book as my guide, I know I'm in the right place. Like I can't do it wrong. So um, that's it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Steph. Uh, Next, we have Patty followed by Michelle. Go ahead, Patty. Oh, hi everyone. I'm Patty from Massachusetts, compulsive overeater. I'm new here and I'm just getting abstinent, just putting a couple of days together. But Melissa, oh my goodness, I can't, I'm going to cry. I've been crying the whole time, but I just want to thank you so much. Just because you, the honesty was just like, just blew me away. And, and um, just your, the honesty and your emotional, like, you just, it wasn't like the old look good thing. It was just totally honest. And I think it gives people like me, like permission to be like imperfect. You know, I don't have to be like on top of like the spiritual mountain all the time, you know, it's just like, and that's what I tried to do. It's like, I have 
you know, so much pride around the whole thing. And like you mentioned, being that uh, outsider looking in, you know, I could totally identify with that. And like since I've been in this program, it's like I've had a hard time, you know, recovering. But I think a lot of it had to do with my pride, you know, because you know, just afraid to be honest, afraid to be vulnerable, and, you know, afraid to be intimate with people too. <laughs> so anyway, but I just can't thank you enough. You're so, welcome. Um, um, welcome thanks. home. Thank you. Thank you, Patty. And yes, welcome. Welcome home. Uh, Michelle, you're up. Hi, everybody. I'm Michelle, compulsive overeater in Chicago. You know, I, I had all these things that I wanted to say, and now I'm just like, almost like on process overdrive. Um, you know, I really do believe that, you know, my God has me hear certain messages that I need to hear at the right time. And you never know when you're going to hear something that's just going to like struck you like a lightning bolt. And I really needed to hear this tonight. And, you know, I'm, I'm still making my way in program and, and learning about this new way of living. Um, but your share unlocked so many past traumatic, in a, in a positive way, past experiences of hurt with my experience of being ex very overweight that I didn't even, I didn't even remember them. I mean, you were talking about dating and I, I just remembered, like, I remember I was going on a date with somebody and I really don't date often. And somebody said, well, he runs marathons. Like you may as well just skip that because he's going to take one look at you. And I just, these things stay with us. But what I'm looking at tonight and after hearing your share, it's like, it's, it shapes us. You know, I don't regret the past nor would wish to shut the door on it. It's just, it's me. And, um, I loved what you said about just trust. God's got me. It's going to be okay. No matter what the situation is, you know, it's, it's meant to happen and it's out of my control. And this relief of it's not Michelle's world anymore. I don't have to do this, not only by myself, I don't have to do it, period. All I need to do is meet God halfway and the rest is gonna be taken care of. Thank you for your service tonight and sharing this. Um, wow, so I'll keep coming back. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. 